I don't know. The guy, the guy was crazy. Clearly, I just, I, I mean, the show's a little bit twisted, so maybe it just sort of flipped something in him. I don't know. What did he say? He said, "Oblivio acebit." It's Latin. Uh, oblivion approaches. What does that mean? I, well, other than the world is coming to an end, oblivio can also mean uh, forgetting, forgetfulness. I don't so I think that's what I'm going to do. Forget it. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 245. And our movie this week is from 2007. It's called The Nines. And joining me because he talked about it. He wanted me to see it. It's the rock <laughs> god of podcasting, Charles McFall. Charles, how you doing, man? I'm very happy to, to be in one final time before the year ends. Absolutely. All right. So normally this is where i ask the history that somebody has with the movie and how they missed it but i'm the one who hadn't seen this movie i hadn't even heard of this movie before you mentioned it um okay. somehow and we'll get into kind of how that could have happened but what's your history with this one it goes back to the days of renting dvds on the shelf uh okay 2007 i'm <laughs> assuming it's probably still blockbuster time or whatever and uh ryan reynolds uh, so uh, gilmore girls is in kind of in its height and doing mm -hmm. well and uh, uh uh so i loved suki right melissa mccarthy and thought she was great and she's on i don't know if she's on the cover or not of this thing but ryan reynolds is on it and i'd love two guys a girl in a pizza place and i yep. don't think i'd seen much of his stuff before this and i don't know just something about it caught me you know the cover caught me the right the way they put the nine in the in the word nines there and yeah. and ryan reynolds i thought i'd try it out but it, it made such an impact travis that i couldn't remember if this is a movie i was thinking of when i told you let's pick from one of these three <laughs> but it was it absolutely was the movie i was thinking of uh, but it did oh, that's uh, great. 2007 man that's it was it was a kind of a changing time in my life and it it, it th I, this really comes off as an indie film and it probably was an mm -hmm. indie film. i'm sure you know more about that than i do but that it, it it to me became one of my favorite movies nobody's ever seen it feels like of ryan reynolds and i mean all the actors in it are, are recognizable actors mm -hmm. uh so it's it's yeah it's a it's a Everybody loves Deadpool, but you know, and he, he's not that guy in this one. No, and we're going to definitely get into him in this for sure. Uh, quick upfront spoiler warning. We're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. It's what we do on this show. So if you haven't seen it, it is streaming free on Tubi right now. Commercials, but no big deal. Um, that service is actually pretty good with where it inserts commercials when you're watching a movie. Uh, and it's worth watching. It's an hour and 40 minutes long. So uh, check it out, but we're going to spoil it. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch it first and then listen to us. But um, yeah, so so 2007, it's not exactly early in his career, but it's much earlier. I mean, the, Ryan Reynolds is a dude that just works. I mean, you look at his IMDb, right? And he does. He has the guy was born in 1976. 
Okay. He has 118 credits to his name acting right now. Plus that's not counting anything he's got upcoming. That doesn't count any commercial work he's done, like actual commercials. Plus right. the, the whole football team with Rob McElhaney, plus mint mobile, plus the aviation gin and all the stuff that he's been doing there. Like, that's just acting. You, you, then you look at things like he's been a producer on 16 different titles at some point or another. He's written a bunch of stuff. Like he just works. And what's cool about him that I love is that he does this stuff that, it, you know, he'll do the Deadpool type film or he would do things like Six Underground, which is this big yes. crazy action movie. And then he does these little things um like this or that what what's the movie he did i want to say it was 2010 where it's basically just him in like a he's buried in a coffin he's in a box uh, yes uh, i think it's called buried alive um, it might be yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah it's set in a, a set in desert buried, storm or yeah. something like that yep buried yeah and it's literally just him in a box for most of the movie like he, yeah. he goes for and then he turns around and he does Green Lantern the next year, right? Like this big budget thing that, you know, didn't do very well. Um, it's not his fault that it didn't do well necessarily, but like, it's just, it's amazing to see that and then have him do stuff like uh, um, Safe House or the Hitman's Bodyguard. But then yep. he does things like Paper Man and rom-coms like The Proposal and all this. Like he just likes to work. He likes to do a lot of stuff. And he's hey, he's pretty versatile. He is. And damn it if he's not good in so many of those things, too. Like <laughs> he's he's a good looking guy. He's very charismatic, but he's also very funny. And mm -hmm. I think he is a very good actor. I do think he can evoke a lot of emotion in a lot of things that somehow he's able to do without undercutting that with his sense of humor because he has that very dry very wry sense of humor that i know sometimes can be a little bit much for some people but i love it and i think it, it fits him a lot but he has this ability to not in the same way that say robin williams did where robin williams could get emotional but also because his robin williams humor is so so out there and so zany um but just like Robin Williams could bring that emotional aspect to things, I do think Ryan Reynolds is really capable of doing that. There's moments in this movie where you I really agree. feel for the character that he's portraying. I think or different ones. I would probably compare him more to Keanu Reeves, you know, with that that flow of action and love interest and serious and funny and, you know. Yeah, uh, that's not bad, actually. There. I think the main difference Keanu Reeves went through, he especially went through a big period where he was um, kind of the neutral mask. He was the, uh, yes. like Neo, Neo was the blank slate that you could project yourself into. Um, yeah, and it feels yeah. like Keanu has had that renaissance where he's playing more characters now. Whereas Ryan Reynolds kind of always felt like he was always playing a character um, yeah, in anything that, that he's yeah. in. But but that's not a bad comparison because they're both great at all this stuff and they're just they're very physical and they have a physicality to them. Um, sometimes Ryan Reynolds feels out of place in certain things like the Amityville horror remake. Not his fault um, that they set that in the 70s and he looked out of place just the way that he was I dressed. Imagine. 
and because like he has a very long torso i've noticed and he likes to not wear a shirt which hey i mean look if i was built like ryan <laughs> right. reynolds i probably wouldn't wear a lot of shirts either but Dragon i've noticed he has a very experience <laughs> yes <laughs> um but he has a very long torso and he he tends to wear pants kind of low on his hips and so when mm-hmm. i'm watching him in amityville horror and i'm like nobody wore pants like that in 1976 like that's not you didn't have they just didn't sit there yeah um, that's costuming error right there yeah a little bit um but yeah he's great in this and uh w- when the movie started up and i start seeing some of the names popping up and i'm seeing hope davis i was like all right hope davis cool cool she's great um when the first part of the movie hey, yeah. i will say uh yeah uh, octavia spencer and melissa mccarthy um hope davis when the movie started the so the movie's broken up into three acts and it's three parts and that first part her character kind of right up to and including that sort of musical number that she does i was like what is happening here and what is what and like i didn't like her performance her performance felt wrong like it felt right weird to me and it didn't feel it like was a very... natural flow into like a musical, but I'm thinking being that's the first act and the most disjointed act that maybe mm-hmm. it's supposed to feel that way. Well, and I have some theories on that. We'll, we'll circle back to, because okay. I have an, I have an idea. I've kind of built an idea in my head of why. Um, but, but after that sure. first act, then when she shows up in the second act as the um, executive, uh, I was, I was like, okay, no, th- she's doing fine. Like the, I, for that first part, I'm like, something doesn't feel right with her. And I don't know, maybe she didn't have enough time or something. It just didn't feel like a good performance. And then I'm watching the rest of it. I'm like, oh no, okay. I get what's happening now. Um, Melissa McCarthy though, kills it. She is yeah. fantastic in this. Yeah. And this is, you mentioned Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. And this would have been... Was Gilmore Girls still on the air in 07? I think it was, right? I think it was. They even make a reference, a couple of references to it in, in the film mm-hmm. itself. Uh, I'd have to Google it, to be honest. But it, if it wasn't on the air, it was very shortly after. But she ended up leaving the show a year or two before the show ended, I think. Uh, okay, it was right at, so uh, 2007. Um, so, yeah, it was right around when this was coming out that uh, that, that was happening. Um, but that, this was still, again, just like with Ryan Reynolds, it wasn't early in her career, but she hadn't, she hadn't broken out yet. Like with with the exception of the Gilmore girls, we hadn't had bridesmaids hadn't happened yet. And that was really the thing that like skyrocketed her. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, I don't remember who they did. Just fun note. Uh, I saw the a clip from the pilot of Gilmore Girls not that long ago because TikTok is a great thing right they show you stuff you'll probably never see otherwise oh yeah and originally Melissa McCarthy was not Sookie it, I forget who the actress mm. was and oh, wow. just because I've watched the entirety of the show and then the extras and all that other stuff now that's the character is, is Melissa McCarthy and yeah mm-hmm. just seeing somebody else in that role for even a minute was weird <laughs> which is kind it's- of something they played into in this movie yeah yeah a little bit um this wasn't the first time she worked with this director uh either which i want to talk about him but but the thing with melissa mccarthy i never i never disliked her but there were for me for a while especially 
her brand of humor to me was I could take her in smaller doses. It was kind of like Will Ferrell for me for a long time. Will Ferrell okay. was somebody that right. I didn't dislike, but I liked him better in a supporting role in something when he could be Frank the tank or he could be like a side character. Yeah. But if it was for, a, yeah. and this has changed, this has changed for me because he's, he has grown so much that now I can watch stuff with him in the lead and it doesn't uh, like, I like it. And Melissa McCarthy was kind of that same way for me for a little while. But what I found with her is that over time, her comedy style has grown on me, but more so than that, there's this, she has an ability to have like a vulnerability on screen that it makes her very compelling. And I really, I enjoy seeing her and stuff. It's, it's great to see her in there because like Ryan Reynolds, she's very funny, but a very good actor as well. Um, and she really got to shine I, I, here. That was one of my running. Yeah. She, oh no, she really shines in this one a lot. Uh, I, one of my running gags uh, on many of my shows was, uh, and it kills Phil every time I, I pull it out. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter what the role is. We're talking about, you know, recasting Superman. Oh, you know, you know, it'd be perfect. Superman, Melissa McCarthy. And just that's what I do with everything. I think she's just amazing. And I mean, I'm never that serious about it, but it's it's yeah. And man, she this is this. I mean, she left it on the table, left it all on the screen on this one. I think. Well, and she gets a lot to work on and work with in this, and it because this movie really is a small cast. It's really Ryan Reynolds, uh, her, Melissa McCarthy, Hope Davis. Um, and then you have Elle Fanning, David Den, uh, Denman, and Octavia Spencer are there, but they have very supporting side roles. Like Octavia Spencer, yeah, she's in that first part as the streetwalker, and she has the little crack binge with Ryan Reynolds' character, Gary, and then she's out of the movie mm -hmm. for a while. And I'm like, okay, so she's just not going to show up. Like that was that was her role. And then yeah, for her to exactly. be there, That's what I too. yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden she shows up in that second segment right at the end of it. I was like, Oh, Hey, and, and has the bet. Like that is, that is the moment this movie really turned for me where it went from like, this is kind of interesting to, Ooh, I like what's happening now because so this is written and directed by John August. And I didn't recognize the name, but I did look him up afterwards just to see some other stuff he'd worked on. And he's been a writer for quite a while. Uh, he got his start. His first movie was um, uh, that he wrote was Go from 98, 99. Um, okay, I didn't watch that, but I am familiar. Yeah, so that was his first uh, movie. He had done a short film before that, actually, with Melissa McCarthy um, that sort of ties into this called God, where and it's her character from the first part of this movie uh, has phone conversations with God every day. Okay, they um, definitely referenced that. I had no idea. Yes. So I'm kind of, I'd be interested to find that if, if it was available anywhere. But so the first movie he makes is Go. He tries to do a TV show um, that only lasts like seven episodes called DC in 2000. But then here's some of the other stuff he wrote. Um, he wrote the screenplay for Titan AE, which is an uh, animated movie All that right. I really enjoy. Um, yeah. He wrote uh, the two Charlie's Angels movies from the early 2000s. Um, with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore. And then he did some work with, uh, with Tim Burton. He wrote uh, Big Fish. 
and he wrote the screenplay for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and he wrote the screenplay for Corpse Bride. And huh. then he wrote the screenplay like for Frankenweenie. Um, his last credit was the, the screenplay. Is original yes, the, the new Frankenweenie. <laughs> okay. um, and then his last credit, it was in 2019, he wrote the screenplay for the live action Aladdin. Um, as well as, and this was the only movie he directed. So uh, I don't know. He did go, go on. I did see something where he he did like a three-part novel series that was kind of um, young adult novel of some kind, nothing I'd ever heard of that I had ever heard of. But um, so he's written some pretty like big fish. It's a great movie. Um, That's a phenomenal film, you know? And, uh, and, and I mean, so the guy knows what he's doing, but what was cool about this was this was his movie that he wrote, he directed, and he really got to just play around. You mentioned how it had that kind of indie feel to it. And I guess it mm-hmm. was pretty damn low budget. Like uh, the the house that they shoot in for those um, all that that segment in the uh, first and second acts. That's John August's house. That's the actual house he <laughs> lived in. They were filming there, and I was watching a, a little behind the scenes thing after the movie, um, and it was kind of cool because he was talking about he wanted to shoot it there partially for budget reasons because they couldn't afford to rent a house and dress a house and do all the stuff that they needed to, but also because he knew the house he lived in and how to shoot it and how to use it the way that he wanted okay. to for the movie. Cause I guess this is a pretty personal story and semi autobiographical in parts, not so much because of like what he's ex- it, based on some of his experiences. So that whole second act with the um, TV series, getting made and the dealing with all that. Mm. He pulled a lot of that from his experiences working on DC back in 2000. Um, okay. And it, you can kind of get that, like when you know that, then you, if you watch some of it again, you sort of get that feel like, yeah, this is very, it, cause it has that feeling of like somebody who really knows what they're writing here. Um, and uh, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, I loved the way all three acts of this are structured and built and filmed differently. Yes. How, I, was, I knew you'd pick up on that. <laughs> like just that visual look. Cause that first part. So, and that was part of what he talked about in this behind the scenes that I saw. He shot the opening uh, part called the prisoner in super 16 film. Um, so 16 millimeter, uh, and they went very warm tones, very re- a lot of reds and things like that, and 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 saturated colors. And I noticed there was a lot of wide angle lenses pushed in real close, kind of uh, Terry Gilliam style. Get a little bit of that fisheye going on, especially when weird things happen, like the first time uh, Gary hears the noises in the house and it's the dog. You can tell, you know, it's the dog like mm-hmm. scratching at a door, but there's no dogs in the house that shot really pushes in on Gary and it gives you that, just that fisheye effect. And it makes you feel really weird when you're watching it. And then of course the phone rings and it scares him, which I loved. Um, a very, that first did, segment very much had a, a nineties feel to it. Just it over, really overexposed anytime you're outside. Uh, mm-hmm. like I think yeah, it, it very much had that late nineties feel. Yes. And I'm going to admit the first third of this movie, I was like, what in the hell is going on? And I wasn't sure 
if I was liking it or not, because it was so, the problem that I had at first was the tone. The tone felt so weird and disjointed in that opening bit because it would go mm-hmm. from being very jovial to almost, almost horror movie territory and sort of it's the feeling of it, but then it would quickly switch back to something else and it would get happy again. And it just felt like it was disjointed and it didn't know what it wanted to be. Um, and then it and, threw the song in there, which was really weird. Yeah. Then it adds the musical part of it, which I'm like, what is, what is even happening here? Like, wh- wh- why, why are we doing this? And I couldn't wrap my head around it at first. And then we get that hard cut where he steps over the line and uh, we hard cut to a completely different thing. Now, now we're on to part two. And then this was brilliant because they shot all of this on video. They didn't shoot it on film. And he even said they didn't even shoot high definition video. They shot very good quality, but standard definition video because it's, it's meant to be that handheld behind the scenes making of type thing. Documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Documentary. So John August was like, well, we're going to shoot it just like that. And they stick with that the entirety of that act which is another thing. Usually, I mean, how many times do you see a movie that starts that way, but then at some point it just flips and it goes back to shooting regular, you know, locked off cameras and dolly moves and all like all that kind of stuff. And this stayed handheld the whole time and they muted the colors (laughs) and everything was a lot bluer and it gave it a totally different feel on top of uh, seeing all the same actors, but they're playing different parts now. And then... And Ryan Reynolds looked... A whole different part. Didn't he? Like, he looked smaller. He didn't... Right, like, yeah. There was, and, and I know some of that's the costuming, because in that first act, he's wearing T-shirts a lot. And the they're kind of that super medium T-shirt. So it can be tight enough that you can show off his shoulders and his chest. And his hair's a little bit longer, and it's that kind of orangey blonde. Um, but yeah, that second act, he looked slimmer. He's completely clean shaven. The glasses that he was wearing uh, was a big thing that they cut his hair a lot shorter and kept it darker. And he does. He looks totally different on top of just acting like a completely different character. Like not even. Yeah. And not in a like hugely outlandish way. He's just a different person. He like the whole way his his thought processes were as a character were completely different. I love that. I thought that was great. Um and then having Melissa McCarthy be herself uh, was cool. So it kind of, yeah, because we broke fourth wall in the opening with Hope Davis's character. There was a couple times where she speaks directly to the camera, which again was a little jarring. And I'm like, so are we going to keep doing this? And then they don't really do that throughout the rest of the movie in terms of like talking to the audience so much, although the documentary kind of has that feel. But then we get that bleed over and crossover with now we have Melissa McCarthy as Melissa McCarthy um, and her husband. And I I didn't know. I wasn't yeah. sure because I, I, I wasn't sure if that was her husband or not. I, I didn't do enough research and I look it up. Sure enough. No, that's him. And that was Dahlia Salem uh, as herself. And like, I just I thought that so. was so cool. Yeah. That was a it was a cool way to do all that. And that whole sequence, too, is so weird for the the uh, character that Ryan Reynolds is playing, but in a completely different way, the way the world is unraveling for him. Because the first guy, Gary, 
unravels his own world, which was another one. I'm watching this. I'm like, all right, so this guy just doesn't care. He's literally just buying a bottle of, of whiskey and drinking it while driving down the street in LA, like in broad daylight. He's not even trying. Um, and uh, I love when he, when he's sitting there and the bus comes up with his face on it. On the, like <laughs> advertisement. Yes. Uh-huh. And you see that, and then he pulls up to the guys to buy crack, and they're like, "No, no, no, it's okay. it's cool. I just play a cop on TV." Like <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the so, way like, they shot him driving on mm-hmm. crack was really, it was really disorienting in a good way. Yeah, yeah, I liked that. Uh, a lot of weird camera movements. I love the the camera when he's upside down in the car when he's flipped his Prius and the way the camera is, and then they just rotate it 180 degrees and you see, Oh no, he's upside down, but he's smiling the whole time. Yeah. Cause he just way out there. Um, that was, that was pretty great. His little freak out over uh, seeing himself in the mirror and thinking he doesn't have a belly button. Yeah. And <laughs> are you on board? What's yeah. What's great about that too, this whole movie, cause this movie just goes, it did not go where I expected at all. Like good. this movie started good. Like it started and we're going through it. And I'm thinking, this is kind of weird. What's happening here. Okay. He's doing a bunch of drugs. All right. He's in house arrest and it starts getting a little strange, but it never, it never took the turns that I thought it was going to take necessarily, which is good. I love that. Um, and then when you like, I went back and I, I skimmed through it a second time because I wanted to find some, possibly some audio to, to clip out and all that kind of stuff and watching it that second time i was like that's really cool the, that moment where he gets out of the shower and he's showering with his jeans on which no oh, thank you. yeah no, that's terrible <laughs> but yeah but whatever he's done a bunch of crack so fine um but he walks out and he's toweling himself off and he looks in the in the mirror and we don't see him we don't see his uh like we see him from kind of the mid or lower chest up so his reaction yeah. to not having a belly button and then he turns away from the camera. We never see him again mm-hmm. the whole time. So I'm thinking, is he, does he really not have a belly button or, and like the movie's going in that direct, like what's happening here, but we don't get that answer. I love that. I love stuff like that. And then that second, that second segment where it's all uh, the show within the the movie and he's making the show and he's playing the, uh, the show runner and all that just loved. I loved how that all unraveled how, because the first one he's being very self-destructive and then things go weird for him and he can't figure it out. But in the second one, this version of him isn't self-destructive at all, really, or not intentionally, but everything's unraveling around him. Right. And having like, the whole thing where he's got to meet with Dahlia and then he fires Melissa McCarthy and she gets upset at him. And then, then come to find out his show's not even going to happen and just all this stuff and the, like the way it all unraveled on him and for him to then have his little freak out and he goes out on the streets and the camera keeps following him. And it was brilliantly done because all of that's going on. And then he, he yells at the cameraman and it's Octavia Spencer. So she's like, you okay? Who are you talking to? 
and we get the cut across the street and there's nobody else there. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, nice reveal. Very, very well done. And, uh, then it, of course it gets even weirder than when the numbers start popping up and above everybody's heads <laughs> because yeah. now you're like, what? Hold on. Um, and, uh, and then that one ends, right? So now we've ended part two and we get into part three, which again, filmed completely differently. Now part three is shot so before like a that, television show. You get this weird vignette uh, from the first act. Oh, yeah. Melissa McCarthy sits down with him to explain things. And she starts revealing some things that I'm sure you won't get into later. But she starts, she just this reveal that you still go, okay, what? And you get a little <laughs> bit more, but not enough to answer everything. Yeah, well, and and that was cool because they hinted at that scene earlier. They we saw the very beginning of that scene during the first act, and then it cut away, and we saw his reaction to it. That's when he walked outside and stepped over the chalk line that she had put on the on the ground because he was under house arrest, um, and the alarm right. goes off and all of that. And so I liked then seeing that the rest of that conversation from her because it does try to reveal everything while also not like it, t it lays out everything that's going on but it does so in a way that like gary doesn't believe her and as the audience we're just not even sure and then we get to the part three which is knowing which is the show that the guy in part two was making yeah uh, which again we saw clips of and now we're seeing where those clips came from but it i kept waiting during this segment for like a cut or a uh an edit to happen where you saw the camera crew and like the film crew for some reason, I, sure. I kept thinking that was what was the way they were going to go. And it didn't go that way. Instead it was, this was a real, you know, this was now a reality that was going we were on in the show as yep. As reality. Yep. And, uh, and that whole thing was, again, the colors were a little bit different. It was shot on film. Um, it was shot to look like a broadcast television show would, um, which I did like, we got more Elle Fanning. She's great. Always. Uh, even in a smaller role like this at her age, she's so young in this. Um, but it was really cool to see the scenes that we had seen on like a small monitor that they would be watching a daily of or something, or when they were re-editing that one scene. Yeah. And, then, and she was doing the voice, voice lines. And yeah. Stuff. Yep. And how like to see that and see it, um, how the, the show would have presented it. But then the, the, the wires start to cross, right? The, the streams start to get uh, embedded. And we start seeing like on the little video camera that Elle Fanning is watching, the stuff that was happening in part two, we're revisiting that. And everything starts to bleed together. Mm -hmm. And that's when the movie really likes to take its turn and go. It goes very existential. It goes very like just high concept. Yeah. And... I know from reading some kind of IMDb letterboxed reviews that I like to go and check those out every once in a while, just to on a movie that I've watched just to see what other people felt when they watched it, because I'm always curious. And I know that's the point that lost a lot of people because any of the negative reviews I saw, it felt like that's where they, they kind of checked out. That's the payoff. I, the it is. is the payoff. And not only that, but it doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be logical at that point because no longer, we're not telling an A to B to C story. This isn't 
right. a movie that takes place in our reality where all of those rules exist. This movie takes place in kind of its own, its own construct, um, literally in the case of this movie because of the way it's uh, it's presented to us, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's diving into itself. And I will say, like one review I read, and this one just kind of made me chuckle. Uh, the the broad strokes of it were like the person was upset, and they kept talking about how true art should be accessible to everyone, and art is good because it's good and you get that right away and i'm thinking uh, as i'm reading this i'm like you don't ever actually pay attention to like art do you because there's plenty of art out there that is fantastic art but it doesn't make sense to anyone including the artist um i mean i look at stuff like david lynch films right i mean you watch you watch eraserhead or you watch lost highway or you watch uh uh mulholland drive and you're just like what happens here i don't know but at the same time you get it like something clicks into place and it doesn't always for everybody. And that's fine. I don't think it needs to. Sure. Um, I don't, this is not a movie for kind of uh, a broad appeal of audiences because I do feel like, I feel like if you come into this movie with expectations of certain things happening and they don't happen, you're not going to like it. And I did watch the trailer and I didn't like the trailer for this movie because I feel like the trailer sets you up for a completely different film. Um, it sets it up from a lot more of the, uh, the thriller aspects of things and the nines. And, and the, the write up on that is the same thing, right? The little blurb, uh, about yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, you know, uh, it talks about uh, being all the character. Like he, I, I barely glanced at it, but it's like being all the characters and it, it does, even that first act when he bumps into himself, basically, mm-hmm. uh, the, it does try to, uh, for a moment, give you this almost sci-fi phantasmagoria kind of what's I, who knows what's going on yeah. type of deal, and it's not that at all. No, but no, it is it's like, it, like it is. It has elements of that, but the story is so different from it. I mean, knowing that this guy wrote Big Fish. And, um, like that kind of makes sense now. Like when I learned that, I'm like, okay, no, no, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, because there, they do play with that whole idea of like the nines and him. I had moments where this reminded me of, um, the Truman show at parts. Okay. Um, it reminded me a little bit of a movie, another movie with Jim Carrey called the number 23 at parts, but it didn't go in the direction that the number 23 went at all. Um, which I'm glad because I had issue with that movie. <laughs> I didn't hate, I didn't, the number 23 was fine. And I, I probably could rewatch it again and appreciate it more. But for some reason it felt like it fell apart on me in the last act. What this one's doing though, it's interesting because it's not, it's not a thriller. It's not a comedy. It's not, it's like this weird character study, but the character also isn't really, uh, like a, a, a standard kind of character. So it's just this weird, I mean, esoteric and, and kind of uh, existential is the only words I can really think of for it. It's just this weird, like idea out there. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a story of a person 
finding themselves, not even realizing they have to find themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's a good I would way relate to put it. it to almost maybe uh maybe people like depression, you know, where people lost themselves in depression and and you know, I don't know. I don't know, but it just kind of felt like I mean, once we get into the details of the story, I'll, I'll give you my theories on, on the actual stories of it. But see, this is what I've been talking about here lately about the experiences in the movie theater. And I'm doing the screen unseen with AMC. And it's this mm-hmm. idea of, of back where I picked this up. No real preconceived notions. Didn't see any trailers. I just saw a cool looking box on the shelf yep. at Blockbuster and said, I'll try that. And just went along for the ride. And actually, I just yes. finished an episode. Uh, you were talking with somebody about, uh, I think it was Endgame. I just finished up listening to, and you're talking about that. Just sometimes yeah. the movie, just meet the movie where it is. And that's what this story mm-hmm. is, 100%. Is yes. If you go along for the ride, it sounds like you end up liking it. Yes, absolutely. That That's a big thing that I've been on lately. Uh, and for the last couple of years, really, is like, judge a movie based on what the movie is. And sometimes that's hard to do because we always bring our baggage into every movie. Uh, But this is one I'm really glad that all I did was before watching it was have you tell me we should watch it. I looked it up to see the name of it and that Ryan Reynolds was in it. And that was it. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't. I, I just went in and said, "Okay, movie, what are we? And that's why, like, at the start, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is any good or not. Because that first act is feels really weird. And that first act doesn't lock into place and make any sense until you get to the end of act two and into act three. And then you can kind of go back and think about some of the stuff that was happening there. And it starts to make, mm-hmm. make it all fall into place and it clicks. Um, yeah. For instance, uh, one of my thoughts was, so basic story kind of breaks down where act one, we've got Ryan Reynolds as an actor named Gary who opens up the movie, uh, (laughs) burning all of his ex-girlfriend's stuff, except, and I love how we don't see what happens again. At first I was confused by it because all we see is him put it all on the barbecue, put two bottles of lighter fluid on it and flick a match at it. And then it cuts to him just driving down the road. Right. You find out. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, but thinking about it, they probably didn't have the budget to, to do any kind of pyro effects, uh, which makes sense. But you find out that he burned his whole house down. And while that's happening, he left and goes and he just gets drunk. He buys crack. He gets super high, flips his car over. And then we meet him at the police station with uh, meeting his publicist, Megan, played by Melissa McCarthy, who takes him to house arrest. And the house arrest is a house of another one of his agent's clients, a writer who is off in Canada shooting a show for a few weeks. So they're using his house for house arrest of Gary. And um, Gary starts to, he, he, he's dealing with um, being under house arrest. He meets a neighbor, Hope Davis, who kind of starts hitting on him right away. Uh, which again was just very, I was like, why? why? Okay. This is weird. Uh, There's the whole musical part, which is very weird, but here was my thing with that. So knowing what we know by the end of the movie about Ryan Reynolds and who these nines are, because there's the, there's the whole thing of look out for the nines, um, which also I don't think helped the movie when uh, the tagline for the movie is you never know when your number is up. 
Because that doesn't make any sense and doesn't really fit the that's, movie to me. No, it doesn't. Like, that's that's just, a bad marketing move. Yeah. Also, they put nine, the number nine, in a bunch of the words in that. And and, yeah. And, yeah. Um, but yeah. all this is happening. And then the second act, it's all the same character or all the same actors, but now they're playing these different characters. And by the third act, what we find out is that Gary slash Gavin slash um, whatever his third character's name is, uh, is some sort of uh, like, I guess most McCarthy describes him as a multidimensional being of vast power. He's asking, um, he goes, am I God? Are you, are you yeah. saying, are you saying I'm God? And he said, mm, yeah, more like, a and I like, yeah, I, I liked that description because he's like, are you saying I'm God? And she goes, well, technically no. Like if he's a 10, you're a nine. And yeah. that's, you know, and then like humans are a seven. There's some sort of weird hierarchy evolutionary thing where koalas are above them. Uh, which cracked me up. But I love, because immediately I'm going, what's an eight? What's an eight? And yeah. three seconds yep. later, what's an eight? And I was like, love it. So good. Yep. And the koalas, because they're telepathic uh, and, they control, and they control the weather. The weather. <laughs> <laughs> but we learn that Ryan Reynolds is, is this being, and he's created our world. And what I liked was the reveal from Hope Davis's character, Sarah slash Susan Sierra, who in that third act tells him that he's a drug addict, that he's because mm -hmm. he is, he is an addict for this world that he created that he's now living inside of, or he's trying to live inside of. And once you start to figure that out and you get this, these crumbs of this idea, then a lot of the stuff that doesn't make sense early on starts to make sense because like yep. the way she acts in that first part, how, how weird she feels kind of makes me think like, well, this is her arriving and she doesn't really know how humans act per se. So she's kind she's trying to approximate that, but it takes her a little bit to kind of get into the feel of a human is sort of what it okay. felt like to me when I thought about it, which is why she feels a little stiff and kind of like the whole part where sure. she's telling the story back to him feels like it's, it feels like someone who doesn't know how people talk, trying to recite stuff that's written down. Okay. So she's very I, much I, reading lines there. Interesting. I, I didn't take that. So when I first saw her, I just chalked it up mm -hmm. to a uh, standard movie riff of the bored housewife and the husband's off doing stuff. And he's a known playboy actor and she's, you know, the housewife that wants to bang the hot actor neighbor. Yep. The weirdness I got personally was later when she talks about, we have to play by your rules. You make these worlds plural. And we have to play by your mm -hmm. rules. My whole theory is each one of those acts is a different world and they did this oh yeah catching up with him and, and so he he destroyed that first one when he stepped across mm -hmm. the line uh but that that's that whole her being weird well he in that one he's this discombobulated person so the whole world is weird 
right? You know, yeah. He burned his house yeah, down. That's he's true. He's cra- he, he doesn't even know why he's on house arrest exactly. And I don't know. It's, that, that's kind of why I took it. But either way, they both work. Mm-hmm. Theories. Well, and that's the that's the beauty of a movie like this that is so open ended and open to interpretation is that you can come up with multiple theories and they're all valid. Like I like your idea, and I think that works really well. These worlds kind of they're almost like nested within each other, right? The Gary character lives inside the world, or he lives outside the world of Gavin, who is the showrunner for the world that is knowing, and it's sort of this Russian doll thing going on. And you're right in that, like that first world is a little more disjointed. Uh, it's a little more kind of weird and doesn't make as much sense. But I think some of that too is because it was unraveling and falling apart on him. And, um, and like, this is hope Davis, you know, the Sarah character, uh, showing up to take him home kind of thing, but she gets there and she shows up in this world of his that he's created. She's got to play by the rules that are there. So she has to be human. She has to look like a human. She got to talk like a human, but she can't figure that out just yet. So she kind of talks like somebody reading a script, but by the second iteration, she's understood a little bit more. And so her character of Susan as the, the vice president character was much more into that world and understood what was happening, was able to play him a little bit more. And I get that. Move things. It, 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 Definitely falls into what you're talking about. Definitely falls into, and there's a little delay here. I get it, but uh, it, if you really watch that character in the second act, she never really gives information. So, oh, Roger, oh, Roger said this, right? So it's still somebody mm-hmm. yep. who has no answers, but knows how to manipulate a little bit better to get to the end goal yeah. that they want. Mm-hmm. And then by the third one, she she has figured out how to basically. Now it's like, all right we're done playing around it's intervention time and she's under she's figured out sort of the physiology of these human avatars to be able to drug him mm-hmm. and, and just literally walk him to where she needs to um but i and we talked about how like octavia spencer just sort of shows up in that second act after not being in the movie for a while yep. i saw the same thing with the um uh david denman character the parole officer Cause he's mm-hmm. the parole officer and I see him and I'm like, I know his face. He's going to be important and uh, yep. he keeps showing up as the parole officer. But then all of a sudden when they're doing that focus group in the second segment and he's sitting there just staring at him through the two way mirror. And I was like, ah, oh, he's back. I knew it. And yet yeah. even with that having happened, I still was not prepared for Octavia Spencer's character or Octavia Spencer to just show up again. So like it caught me off guard still. That's the brilliance of this kind of movie is that they do stuff like that. And I, I love that. Um, and then for them to be like, it's the two of them and Hope Davis are the the beings. They're the nines that are trying to bring him home. They're trying to get him out of this, whatever it is yep. that's going on. Um, and you get the weird, like, again, it gets kind of weird because now Melissa McCarthy's character and... L Fanning sort of know they figured it out. They're sevens. So, but they know what's going on. And there's that whole moment where, you know, they have their, well, uh, go ahead. I, th- it felt like, cause L Fanning shows up in the, the first act briefly and disappears. 
Yeah. And I didn't even put together that she's the girl on the poster that he's sitting next to because they put the mm-hmm. the word knowing across her eyes. So I didn't even put that together then. It it just for some reason it felt like he was more invested in those two characters, even though there's no real connection to say that he fathered El Fanning. I, I don't know. It's it's right. it's weird that way. But yeah, they it, it we get well, we get down to the end where he has to leave and he has to destroy the world. Otherwise, as a crack addict, he comes back to the world. You know, mm-hmm. and I think some of the disjointedness yeah. is that uh, uh, she talked about how um, he's gotten so bad now. 4,000 years, by the way, he's been doing this. He's been in these worlds. But yep. she said, you know, the, the play out at the end is that uh, uh, he's been doing it for so long, but he's playing now he's playing multiple roles. So mm-hmm. I think that might lead to if you really retro that back to what we saw, that might lead to some of that disjointedness. It's, it's not him doing one little thing and dabbling. He has split himself more or less. Yes. Into these worlds or whatever. I don't know. It, it gets so existential. I love it. Yeah. I and, and it's great because you can really latch on to whatever part really speaks to you. And it's that it's that idea that like uh, a painting or a sculpture can exist and everyone can look at it and take something else from it and interpret it in a way. And then, uh, you know, you can talk to the the artist and they're like, I don't know, I just did the thing. Like it can mean nothing to them or it can mean a whole lot to them. They're, they're like, And that's the beauty of art, right? Is that art is, is so personal and what you can take from it. Uh, that's why like a lot of times it cracks me up when you see, uh, this happens in music a lot too. Um, and my prime example is fans of tool, right? The tool army will, will, they will break down and talk about all the symbolism in the songs and all the things that are going on in there. And then if you talk to the band members, they're just like, whatever, we just wrote a song. Like (laughs) it's just this, this idea that like, no, yeah, it's all there, but at the same time, none of it's there. And this movie has that too. Like there's so much there. There's so much you can latch onto and like try to figure out how did, how did they remember anything at the end of it? But it doesn't well, he, matter he re- because yeah, it did. doesn't matter. Well, we needed them, right? As the audience, we needed mm-hmm. that yes. wrap up because he did destroy the world, but then he didn't. She wakes up mm-hmm. in the Melissa McCarthy era with her husband, but Al Fanning's now her daughter which was part of the show. Yeah. So it kind of matched it all together. And we needed that. I think, I think any audience that stuck it out and, and I was happy with, okay, the world ended. I get it. You go back to wherever the nines go to, and I'm good with that, but not mm-hmm. every audience is. And I think that that was just a little bit for the studio to wrap up for the audience and, and make it happen. Well, and I think too, like there was a whole, because when, when we get that little interstitial bit between parts two and three, where Melissa McCarthy's explaining to him what he is. And she says like, you know, you can destroy the world with a thought. Incidentally, please don't do that. Um, which I love that, that, uh, that whole line reading was great. Um, but what was cool about it was <laughs> like that ending scene he has figured out that he has to leave. He can't stay there anymore. It just He just can't be part of that. Um, and so he has to go. But what he does is, uh, I love the idea that he takes the best parts of all of it and leaves that. Like he leaves the world that he's created. Yeah. 
and it's the best parts of all. So it is Elle Fanning from Knowing. Uh, it's her character, and it's the best version of the Melissa McCarthy character, the Melissa McCarthy and her husband, and they have the daughter, mm-hmm. and like that was that was really cool. Where it was the best parts uh, and his favorites, and all of that, and he left them yeah. there, uh, which I thought was really really great. The line the line that struck me was maybe as a commentary on on religion a little bit too is l says to melissa mccarthy she goes he's not coming back and it's okay you know he left mm-hmm. us and and they did that little exposition i was like interesting you know commentary on well he's not god right but he is the creator of this universe and he has to go away because it's addictive or whatever but he left this best thing. Do we just go about our day doing the best we can? I, don't, I just got mm-hmm. my mind started spinning at that point. I thought such a great yeah. line. He's 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 not coming back, and it's okay. Yeah, and and just the fact that like those two can remember that because there was such a a, a close bond there in those moments, and it's almost like he left uh, Melissa McCarthy because she deserved that but she needed something to let her know, like to remind her that everything was okay. And so that was Elle Fanning. And like, okay, that yeah, was enough yeah. because husband, no idea, right. He's not going to remember any of that. Cause he didn't have that personal connection. Right. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I also loved how there was, uh, there was some sprinkled through like Easter eggs of sort of hints uh, at things during the movie um lines of dialogue for instance that uh would like give stuff away without giving anything away like when you watch it the second time there's that moment when he slaps um susan and uh mm-hmm. for uh you're and then she says man. oh yeah you're not a man and i was like oh that's good because it works it works twice yeah. uh it's it's so so yeah. good or um there was another one earlier on i can't remember what it was now that um oh i'm sure i'm sure if i watch it again i can i can remember exactly but it was something early on in the movie where kind of the same thing happens where he's like he gets told something and when i thought about it as a second part i'm like oh yeah okay nope that that works it's it's really he something it is I picked good up. writing go ahead Oh yeah, it's phenomenal writing, and it it even so long I couldn't quite remember. I remembered the part about God. I remember being existential. I remembered some other stuff. I couldn't really piece it together. So it was, it was kind of like watching something new. But he early on in the first act, he's they're doing a the crack in in the hotel room. He stops. He was like, "My God!" And mm-hmm. then in the second act, he asks it again. He's the God of that world. You know, it. Yes. in the third act, right? It, it's it's now they're saying you're, you're the nines, or whatever. But it, it, there's those crumbs everywhere. And then this, there was an interesting moment. Now this is what it's just left up to interpretation, right? Because mm-hmm. he bumps into the ghost of himself. That gets referenced in Act One and Act Two between the two characters. There's the yep. sticky notes where she's a uh, Susan is telling them. Uh, you know, in the ratings, in the ratings, you know, the twos and threes, they'll never love you. They'll never care for your show. But the nines, look for the nines because they they love it, but it could be a little bit better. And he writes the sticky note, look for the nines, puts it by the phone. That's all through the first act is that sticky note is there. 
So yeah, it's like, yeah. did it really, is it the multiple characters? Is it the multiple worlds? How did they ghost each other and bump? But then actually does the shooting. So he's created a new world in knowing supposedly now in my theory, splitting himself off yet one more time and being in that world and owning it. When he comes mm -hmm. back to the house, it doesn't feel like home anymore. Yeah. Yep. He says that a couple of times. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel like home. Everything's weird. Yeah. And, because and home I, now I, is with Melissa and L. Yes. Yeah. And it's that fracturing of sort of him in the different roles that is causing the problems. Right. And that's why mm -hmm. they want to bring him home because he can't stop himself. He's just going to keep doing this and it's just going to get worse and worse. Um, and I loved all of that. And like just little things like the, the, am I God or, and, uh, or, you know, am I dead? Like he, when, when the Gary character's trying to figure it out, he's like, I don't, am I in a coma? Am I dead? Um, is this, and, and I love that like Gary is the actor and he's, he tries to be, he's not quite as intelligent as he is, as he would make people think like he uses words just a little bit wrong. You know, there was, um, when he asked her, what's the probabilistically, uh, was one yeah. uh, that made me laugh. Yeah. or, uh, he, he wants to say in purgatory, but he says purgatorium <laughs> and he keeps getting corrected by those. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's where the Romans threw up. Um, I liked that. And then, and then you had like the Gavin character, the, the writer was very smart. He's very like on top of all sorts of things, um, but he was not as assertive and self-assured as Gary was. He didn't have that okay. part. So he could, because like he sells the, the show right at the beginning and then you get the whole thing, the next thing where he's like, yeah, this is an argument I know I can't win. And so you sort of, he's like, he's a very different character. And again, uh, Hope Davis is playing three different characters and so is Melissa McCarthy. And you had something go ahead I, I would you where it was the line you were thinking of um um my whole world will blow like he's firing her and he's like if i don't my whole world will blow up or go away or be destroyed or something like that yeah yeah it's that moment where he he's talking to melissa mccarthy that is it you're right where he's like i have all these characters in my head and i have to give them life right they won't exist without me and he's like no 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 they want the show they won't exist without the show like he has that slipping moment where He's kind of figuring out that because if you think about it as a show creator, he is the God of the world of the show. Right. And so again, on first watch, it plays very differently from the second time when you know who he is and how it goes. It's just, it's really cool the way they do all that. And, and to have these three, these three actors playing three different characters, a piece that are very different from each other without having to go through the process of like, prosthetics or you know huge uh like they're just melissa mccarthy is three different iterations of melissa mccarthy she's playing the real world melissa mccarthy who's you know she's trying to get a one man or one one woman show off the ground buying a house all this kind of stuff very different from who margaret was who's very different from the mary character like i just loved all of that and it was subtle portrayals subtle differences between them that worked um, it just, it, it was, it was great. And those three really carry this movie. Um, but I do think it is, I agree with you. It's a movie that you got to go into watching. Uh, you really got to go into it with an open mind and don't expect certain things to be happening because if, once you do that, 
it will fall apart on you. Uh, and I could, I could see, I could feel myself doing, going in that direction in that first act of like, ah, man, I don't, I don't get it. This movie feels weird and disjointed. I'm not sure if it's that great. And it wasn't until act two and towards the end of act two that it clicked in for me. And I was able to be like, oh no, okay. All right. But I was, but I, I told myself, hold on, back up. Just, just let's see what this movie does. Let's see what we get out of it first. Um, and I'm really glad that I did because this was good. This is a very fun, <laughs> very interesting movie uh, that I I will definitely spread the word of and get more people to watch it because I do think it's I think it's cool and it's important to watch stuff like this. I I don't want I don't want all movies to be Lynchian or Lynchian light or any of that kind of stuff, right? Like not everything has to be that. Not everything has to be Denis Villeneuve and being these epic just crazy things or what, but I want those things to exist because they can help to make you think about things differently. And that's what this kind of movie does for me is it just makes me take a step back and chew on it and think about what the movie is as opposed to being like, well, that was a story and it did this and this and this. And I figured it out before the end and the, the twist, like, yes, there's twists in this, yeah, but they're, it's not relevant to know that there are twists in it. It's more of just, huh, well, that's different. But then it makes you think about it and it starts to make you think internally. And that I do think is important and powerful to do. Um, and it's very ambitious, very, very of, ambitious movie. And he pulled it off. And I don't, I don't imagine it made a ton of movie. I, I, money. I, I think it might even oh, go no. straight to DVD. I, I don't know. But I just felt like at the end of it, it's like he heard the song, What If God Was One of Us, and decided to write a movie about it. You know, <laughs> kind it, of. It, 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 right. Uh, it just, but I leave, I left satisfied. And, and my wife had left to go drive Lyft. Uh, so I'd, I'd asked her about that. So she knew I was watching this movie for, the, for this recording tonight. And so she mm -hmm. asked him about it. And she goes, What's it about? I said, It's weird. She was, what do you mean? It's, like, I, I, it's just weird. I don't think you're going to like it, but if you can get past the first part, then it, it really gets, for me, it gets really interesting. But there's just some things that my brain and my my enjoyment of is not for everybody. And I think this film falls oh. into that, but I just, I bought it. I bought it for $13.99, you know, and just because I knew, I enjoyed it so much that it stuck with me from 2007 for me to go, hey, Travis, let's watch this one. You well, know, and it, so, it's funny that yeah. you say it like that, where like the way your brain works, because one of my favorite, one of the books that I've read in my life that had the biggest impact on me is a book called the Illuminatus Trilogy. It's a, it was written back in the seventies by Robert, uh, Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson. And, um, it's this weird sci-fi kind of almost acid trip of a book. And somebody tried to ask me to explain it to him once and I couldn't do it. There was no way for it to make any sense. Um, because it just, it's so out there and it, it reminds me a little bit of kind of the feeling of watching this movie, uh, gives me some of that same feeling where it's like, you can't explain what this movie's about. Here's another one that, um, gets very existential. Uh, and I do think is a great movie that more people need to see. And I had not heard about it before I saw it for this show. And I've talked about it a lot is fish story. So my friend miles told me about this movie 
Uh, and he came on, we talked about it. It's a Japanese movie. And just like, so the nines, here's the blurb on, by the way, the nines made uh, box office gross worldwide was $130,000. Very, 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 very <laughs> limited release. Um, I think oh, it hit some festivals hurt. and that was pretty much it, but it was not helped by its yeah. marketing. But here's the, here's the blurb on uh, IMDb for it is a troubled actor a television showrunner and an acclaimed video game designer find their lives intertwining in mysterious and unsettling ways. That's not the movie at all. It doesn't tell you much of anything about this movie. It It, it is, that but feels it isn't like, at the same time. Right. That that feels like uh, marketing. So well, what if we say this? No, 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 give it away. We can't do it. And it's just, yeah. you cut out what you cannot reveal and you're left with that that blurb because it's i forgot the knowing character is a video game designer uh because yeah. it was irrelevant uh, mm -hmm. to his character um yeah it, it's i can't i think that movie would do better today in today's oh, society sure. movie watching uh streaming and all that jazz than than, than it did in 2007. well it's one of those where it you know what it reminds me of it feels a little bit uh there's some lynch type of things but it's not as dark as lynch right that's I, I i did see somebody left a review calling it lynch light which does make sense um but it also reminds me a little bit of something like you would see from uh director spike jones would do a movie like this because it's just weird and that guy's okay. a weird dude or uh like a charlie kaufman <laughs> type of story right uh where it's just a little it's a little out there and it gets esoteric um and it's it's that type of movie that's impossible to describe. It's like trying to describe being John Malkovich to someone. And you're like, yeah, this guy's a marionette puppet, but he finds a door on the 13th floor of a building that's half size and it leads into John Malkovich's brain. And they're like, people look at you like you're like you got lobsters crawling out of your ears. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, so fish story. Here's the blurb on fish story. Several seemingly unrelated but surprisingly intertwined tales reveal how a Japanese band that independently invented punk rock in 1975 is, 37 years later, connected to a comet that is about to destroy the world. None, like, that all is Actually true. Actually sounds interesting. Yeah, and it's true of the movie, but it's also nothing about the movie at the same time. And... It's amazing. It's it, but it, I had the exact same type of experience watching Fish Story for the first time that I did with this. I went into it not knowing anything. The movie starts. I'm about 20 minutes in. Like, do I like this? I'm not sure. And by the end of the movie, I was I, Fish Story ended, and I'm like, I need to tell every human I know that I need to see this movie. And I feel like that with the nines too. I feel like so many people should just sit down and watch it. And Maybe you like it, maybe you won't. It's hard to say. But if you just let the movie kind of wash over you and take it in and see what it like, you're probably gonna take something away from it. It's it's an interesting, interesting movie. And it was a great choice to watch. I'm really glad you brought this one up. Because again, I hadn't even heard of it. And I I usually tend to know a lot of the movies that come out, but this was a small one. And it uh you know, it was like Sundance kind of, uh, I think maybe Sundance and Cannes or something like that. But you look at 
Ryan Reynolds, Melissa McCarthy, Hope Davis, and I'd somehow just never even heard of it. And I love these little movies like this. I love these little projects where you can tell this was a passion project for the writer and director. And I'm kind of mm -hmm. bummed that he hasn't directed anything since this. He's done some video game work and video game projects, and he's done um, some novels as well. Um, I'm going to find the novels because I'm curious about those. But he's, you know, he's in his 50s now, and um, he did Arlo Finch were the novels he did. He started in 2016 with Arlo Finch in the Valley of Fire. And then he did a couple more. Um, they're kind of young, I'm, middle, yeah, middle like school teen, teen movies. type. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I read a graphic novel based on that, off of that. Hmm. Actually, let me Google something real quick. I think okay. uh, Disney might have made a movie of it. Hmm. Maybe. I'm probably wrong about the movie. And he did, like, he worked Let's on a... See video game project or a game a board game card game um so he's he's keeping busy but he hasn't done as much film work and i do feel like it would be cool to see him get another directing gig uh, just to see what he could do with with a little more i don't know a little bit more to do because i do think he's got some interesting stories to tell so but yeah, uh, The Nines is uh, is a hell of a movie. I did capture a couple of audio clips uh, from it. While you're searching for the thing that you are, uh, we I want to play a couple of these. because it's, yeah, some... it's not. Oh, it's not? It's not what you're thinking? Play, play away, man, because it's not a thing. Yeah, All right. it's not what I'm thinking. But yeah. uh, so a lot of the funnier stuff was from that first part, uh, really, like that first section. But um, you get uh, you get this moment where, again, he's having this freak out because he looks down. He thinks he doesn't have a belly button. And again, I love the fact that we don't get confirmation really of that. Does he? Doesn't he? I think at a couple of times we do see him uh, walking around without a shirt on and he definitely has a belly button, but maybe in that moment he didn't. Like something doing the crack slipped uh, right. for a moment and his character didn't have it. But I just loved – and who knows who he called too? Did he call 911? Because he's very calm on the phone with them. Um, <laughs> right. Telling him about his medical emergency. And then he sits up and he's like, Can a person uh, live without a belly button? Because if you think about it, you're born with one. And, uh, and if you don't have one, you're, you're unborn. And it's really hazy uh, whether you're alive or not. And I, 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 guess I'm, I guess I'm wondering, am I alive? Like, am I alive? And then the next thing he says, or, or am I God? Um, I cut it off before that. I didn't realize that. But it, like, and meanwhile, you've got Octavia Spencer's character just sawing logs behind him on the bed. <laughs> but it works, too, because he's having this freak out. It could very easily just be from the drugs. As you're watching this, you're like, this could just be right. drugs kicking in. And that's what's doing it. So, um, oh, here was the other line. This was the other one that uh, that played so differently for me the second time through is this. He can't be left alone. He's an actor. If no one's watching him, he doesn't really exist. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Because it, again, dual meanings and the whole idea. And and that's just so cool. I love that. Yeah, no, he's he's an actor. If, it, if no one's watching him, he doesn't exist. Oh, good stuff. Um, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy is so funny. And her, her, her readings of stuff and her, like, timing is so good 
and this one uh putting the two of them opposite each other in a scene this was perfect no pals no buddies no heroin dealers don't do heroin yeah crack is classy Oh, it was so good. Um, Oh, oh, this, okay. This was after he's still on the phone, but it's after the, am I alive line? Uh, And this was what made me wonder, like, who did he actually call? Cause he's, he then says, I don't think I need an ambulance, but I should probably go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably go to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was, I love that. And then here's another great Melissa McCarthy one. Let's never hear that again. Hmm? <laughs> and she pats his foot. Yeah. Let's never hear that again. She just, it's like just pitch perfect. Her, her delivery on that was, oh, I loved it. I apologize for that sound being really loud, but um, yeah, that was so good. Uh, Section two, let's see. Section two had uh, this one was another of those kind of hinting at what's really going on lines. Uh, this is Melissa McCarthy when they're sitting, when he's firing her. Oh, your little puppets are off their strings, running around saying shit that you, did, you didn't write. Like, again. I love that she stumbled over that line, too. Yeah, well, I did read that... Uh, a lot of sections of that were ad-libbed where they would, they would have like a rough idea of what they were doing, but they would let them just kind of run with it and give it that real, uh, documentary feel that raw feel. And so, yeah, that's perfect. The way she stumbles over that line, uh, was the perfect. And I also felt like it was a double meaning. She just said, Mm -hmm. puppets have the strings cut and they're not writing, they're not saying lines that you wrote. And as she's trying to say a line that he didn't write, she's yeah. had a problem with it. It was, it was so yep. good. Ah, brilliant. Um, let's see. This one was, I don't remember what this one is. God. So probably him asking if he's God. Or what if I'm God? That's what it was. What if I'm God? Yeah. Again, it's the drugs talking or so you think. This, uh, the first part of section two, where he's giving the pitch for the show, knowing in the room with Susan and the other, the other executives. I love that because he's trying to explain what the show is. And then she's like, yeah, Roger needs something. What's the, what, give me a one sentence or, you know, like one, what's the one sentence you would, we would should tell Roger about this show. And he comes back with, basically, it's like Rosemary's toddler. It's like Rosemary's toddler. (laughs) And if that isn't descriptive, it's two words that are perfectly descriptive of what he's trying to go for there. Um, I love that. And even the music, like the way the music was just kind of cheery and and felt like just somebody playing around with a Casio keyboard in the background. uh, I really liked because it added to the feel of what was going on. Uh, Rosemary's toddler. Let's see. So did what's this. And the best part is I can drink it. I pumped before I came. So did I. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good line. (laughs) It was such a terrible joke. And it's so Uh, perfectly delivered with that. Just smarmy look on his face. I loved it. 
Exactly. That's the one time you get that that trademark Ryan Reynolds look was he mm-hmm. raised eyebrow and like, hey. Yeah. Oh, that was that was good. Um, you're not something. What's this one? Do you feel like a man? Because I'll tell you a little secret. You're not. And like it works so perfect in that moment. And then when you find out the end of the movie, and it's like, no, she's literally telling him you're not a human. Like you're not a man. Um, I love that. I love stuff like that. I love I love a movie that you finish watching it. And if you, when you see it the second time, the best description of this, I've said this multiple times, I know on this show. So if you listen to this show a lot, you're probably tired of hearing me say this, but the best description of that I ever heard was somebody talking about uh, the usual suspects, right? And if you watch that movie all the way through and when you watch it a second time, the whole movie feels different because now you know everything and you know what gets revealed and mm-hmm. all the performances suddenly feel different. And it was described to me as uh, watching a play and then going back to another performance of the same play, but sitting in a different part of the auditorium. Because you're seeing the same thing, but you're mm. seeing it from a different angle. And so the same okay. stuff plays out differently. Because now you're seeing it from a different perspective. And I love movies that can do that for me. Because there are movies that I watch, and it doesn't matter how many times I see them, it's that comfort, right? You can just wrap yourself up in the warm blanket of like that movie that you've seen yeah. so many times and you just know it. And then something like this comes along. You watch the nines, you get done. And if you watch it again six months later, or a year later, or five years later, it's a totally different movie. It's a completely different experience that next time you see it because your perspective is shifted from it. And, and, it's lines like that that make that work and moments like that. And those reveals, uh, and finally the last one, um, cause this was just too funny not to get. Who do you think you married MacGyver? When she's trying to explain to him that <laughs> the, the car, which I loved by the way, that his car in all three parts, he was always in a Prius. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was the line, I didn't capture it, but there was the line in the second one where he's in the New York traffic and he's like, I was 12 when I got into this car. <laughs> because, boy, if you're running rough traffic, you know what that feels like. Um, now, this movie was super fun, man. I'm so glad you got me to watch this because I never would have seen this movie before for no other reason than I wouldn't have known it existed. Like, it would have just been a line. I've probably read the line on Ryan Reynolds' IMDb page multiple times, scrolling through, just kind of looking at what he's done. And, mm-hmm. oh, the nines, whatever. That was a movie made in 2007. No idea what that one's about, and scroll on. And I'm glad that doing this show gave me the opportunity to see it and and you bringing it to me as something that you liked that affected you um, is really cool because this is one I'm going to tell people about and try to get them to watch. And, and I definitely had a really wonderful experience as this movie unfolded in front of me. Good. I, uh, I know, uh, uh, smashy had told me that, uh, you, you have this annual award for your know, best movie of what you haven't seen in the year. So I'm just trying to be a contender. You know, I tried <laughs> to get in right under the deadline to get, to be a contender for, uh, the 2023 best movie you saw. 
It is uh, it is in the contention for sure. Uh, I'm going to be starting to work on that list here soon as we get closer to the end of the year. This is this is on that list, not just for the recency bias, but also like it legitimately is one of the better ones I saw this year because I wasn't expecting it. And I think that is something also that I really love in a film is when it gives you something you're not expecting. Because I can, I, I have no problem. I recently saw the Marvels. I went to the theater. I saw that. It didn't give me anything I wasn't expecting, but I had a great time with it. It was so much fun. Um, the The characters had a lot of fun in it, and it was what it was. But it didn't didn't like wow me in that it wasn't anything yeah. brand new. But I had fun with it, and I love movies like that. And I can sit back and enjoy my popcorn and take in just a fun fun little yarn. But then to have something like this, which doesn't. Uh, I don't have any expectations going in and then for it to do what it did and me to not, uh, not know what was happening is such a fun experience when you're watching a story unfold. And I can like, I connect with stories like that because it's just a cool kind of window into somebody's mindset while they're writing something. And that to me is fascinating. So this was, this was so much fun to do. Uh, and watch and I'm really glad we got to do this and I know you'd been wanting to come back on the show and I love having you on and we're definitely going to do it again Uh, absolutely and 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 we're going to say the bar now yeah yeah that's true yeah now you you got a you got a bar to clear now here next time you bring a movie to both (laughs) times right both times I brought you the relic and you you loved it and now I brought Mm -hmm. you this I got one more in my mind I've already picked out one for the next time around yeah sometime all right here uh, well now we're gonna have to figure out when that is because uh there is something coming up um and i have i have mentioned this to people that i know but i'm gonna do an official on the show announcement for it right now is that dragon con 2024 i'm gonna be there <laughs> and uh i'm gonna be at dragon con 2024 and i heard tell uh by somebody who sent me a clip of you online saying that you want to do this show while we're there yes so we're gonna we're gonna make that happen yes i do oh yeah man i got home that night and steven steven had sent me the clip and he's like hey you should probably check this out um and yeah we're gonna make that happen we're gonna do wait you haven't seen we're gonna do it at dragon con you and me we're gonna sit down uh well i'm sure by then, we will have had at least one more time where you're on the show already, but we're doing it live at DragonCon, so. and I cannot wait. Done and done. So. You'll be the first panel I plan. Awesome. I cannot wait. It's I've been wanting to go for a few years now, and I'm finally able to pull it off, and uh, I'm excited. So for anybody that uh, that listens to this show, you're going to get a, a wonderful episode that time around, and this was a great one, too. This was so much fun, and I cannot wait to... Uh, to be able to do this again, um, you're going in kind of a regular rotation, man. We're gonna we're gonna get you back on here because it's always it. fun. And you bring you bring you bring movies that I haven't thought of that are a lot of fun. And one of these times, I'm gonna find something you haven't seen. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock your socks off too. So I, I think you will. Ready for that? We're lining up with stuff, so I think you will. Um, um, yeah, uh, and and since I was on, I've listened to every episode. I'm a little behind, so I think I'm one behind now. Uh, cause I, uh, you said the next one coming out, I forgot the movie. I've seen the movie, but 
uh, I've listened. I love the conversations. All the guests are great. There's one I could tell that that uh, you and him didn't quite see eye to eye. But other than that, all the guests have been great, and it's a fantastic show. The horror movie month. I don't do horror movies, so I got everything I need to know about all those movies just from <laughs> listening to the show. And it was great. Awesome. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with this, and it's my guests that make the show, right? It's uh, bringing bringing people in and just getting to have these conversations and, and experience these things for the first time or be on the other side of it and have something that I love a lot or I've seen a lot and show it to somebody and then get to hear what they think about it. It's it's I, I love doing this. Um, and I'm going to keep doing it for as long as it's fun to do. So, but it's, it's guests like you that make it worth doing. So I appreciate that. And then of course, people listening. And I love that you listen to the older episodes and, and I love getting the feedback on those too, because it is a lot of fun to do. Um, and I'm, I'm one of those that it's, it's hard for me to go back and listen to my own shows because I get that. I just, I listen to myself talk all the time. Um, but it is it is interesting every once in a while to get that feedback from somebody and hear somebody bring bring and be like, yeah, I really liked how this went or this conversation was cool or you made me think about something that I hadn't before. You know, the, the one you referenced was Avengers Endgame recently. And that conversation was great because after that, um, talking to uh, Darren again and him mentioning like it gave him a better appreciation for the Marvel movies that he has watched. Uh, yeah. because of just thinking about him in that way. It was, it was really cool. Um, so, so thank you for that. And, uh, and thank you for being on, let people know where they can find whatever it is you're working on. Uh, and of course we know dragon con, um, is always in the works because yeah. it's only like nine months away. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just about. Um, so uh, just me, a culpa. Uh, I, I was running late tonight, and, and uh, not sure how it affects your broadcast or anything, Travis. But I appreciate your patience and and working oh, with absolutely. me and, and being willing to do this late. Um, uh, but right now, yeah, Drancon is about to hit. We hit stride starting uh, January, and actually, uh, for everybody who's interested in doing a panel. Uh, the panel submissions have been open since two days after Dragon Con ended in 2023. So you can find that in our Discord. Uh, that, uh, we have a link tree for that. Link tr.e slash DC Digital Media is our link tree. And then mine personal one is link tree slash RGOP42. Although after watching the nines, I might have to adopt nine as my number. Because, you know, I'm pretty good <laughs> at things. <laughs> What about awesome. you, Travis? Where can we find you? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm here every week uh, talking on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. That's where you can find me do this show. You can find me and Audie Norman talking about uh, Immortals on Let's Watch Highlander. If I actually get myself into gear and start working on my hobby stuff, I'll be doing those streams again. Uh, but basically any social network um, that you can think of, I'm on there as TV's Travis. It doesn't Twitter blue sky threads i'm on all those and i love interacting with people and talking about movies tv shows music um you know with all the spotify raps coming out and sort of the end of the year stuff from from people uh music services and movie services and stuff it's fun to like talk about that kind of stuff and see the different music that people have been listening to video games uh all that kind of stuff hit me up on any of those let's chat let's talk about it and um and yeah, and if you go to Dragon Con this year, you're going to see me there in my uh, 
me with my big old beard, my goofy hat, and I will be wandering around. So I can't wait for that. It's going to be awesome. Um, oh, it's going to be great. Now, next week, uh, I have a very, very old friend of mine coming on. Uh, Paul and I have been friends. Oh, man, I think it was like the third or fourth grade when we met. Um, we were in like Boy Scouts together. Uh, we did a whole bunch of stuff. He was part of the sketch comedy show that I was uh, a part of back in the early 2000s. Um, and uh, we, you know, we graduated high school together and all this. He does some podcasting now. We've been trying to figure out how to get together to do the show. And uh, we finally did um, decide. And he's coming on next week. We are going to talk about uh, a movie that he hasn't seen before. Um, and I have, but I have only seen it one time. We are going to talk about 2012's Prometheus from Ridley Scott. I'm excited actually Ooh. to talk about this. This is going to be cool because I have some some thoughts on this movie and some thoughts about things surrounding this movie. And I'm really excited because as much as, as well as I know Paul, I'm very interested to get his take on a lot of this. Um, so that's what's coming up next week is uh, Prometheus. I cannot wait for that. You're going to want to hear that. Uh, this show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, this show comes out weekly, so you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts or um, YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, it is a video and as well as a audio podcast. Um, and those, again, that's at TV's Travis on YouTube. Or you go to tvstravis.com, you can find the links um, to all the podcasting services, the RSS feed, all that kind of stuff. There is a Patreon for the show as well, uh, patreon.com slash WYHS. And you can join that for free. Or if you want to do the financial version uh, backing of it, it is as little as $1 per episode. So until next week and Prometheus with, uh, with my friend Paul, uh, what I want to say to everybody is enjoy your movies. And uh, it's getting cold out there, so let's be excellent to each other. up, I will smash your ankles with a sledgehammer. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>